Real. Number one, I'm out here looking like one on one. Everyone else is a runner up, and I still feel like I ain't done enough. Talk to myself like it's your time. Walk in the building, it's your time. Gotta give thanks to the most high. I am the one that she's cosign. What up, world? Thank you for tuning in to the Cosign Conversations podcast. I am your host, KG Graham. Episode two is powered by the Dallas Census 2020. If you haven't done so already, please follow Dallas Counts 2020 on Instagram and then visit my2020census.gov. We have an amazing episode in store for you guys today. This episode features NFL veteran, entrepreneur, investor, creator, and father Mark Clayton. So without further ado, welcome to the Cosign Conversations Podcast. MC, how you doing today? Oh, great, man. How you doing? Thanks doing good. Oh, no, I appreciate it. I'm doing good. Can't complain. Really? So um, what I want to do today, man, is I want to go back, get some of the backstory, and then yeah. you know we'll, we'll forward up to today. So what I think about was great with your story is it can relate to, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and athletes. So especially with the the draft that just taking place, I want to kind of go back to, to high school. Like when you're a high school athlete um, and student, what was, what was that like for you? Oh man, high school was, it was fun. Um, it started off rough. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, went into ninth grade that summer going into it, or literally like right before we went into uh, started school. I uh I was swimming, and um, I I uh like ran into the bottom of the pool. It was like one of them old school kind of pool surfaces that that was kind of sharp, basically. Yeah. And I scratched like a bunch of skin off my face, like <laughs> right down the middle. Oh wow. Oh, dude. And and then um, you know, I was already, I was like a little scrawny dude. I wasn't very, you know. Athlete. I mean, I was an athlete, but it wasn't, you know, I was kind of nerdy and scrawny. And then I scratched all the <laughs> stuff on my face. So I'm going in the high school and I'm all nervous and, and no, you know, I knew I was going to get roasted and I knew they was going to, you know, clown <laughs> <and all. laughs> but, uh, man, I, you know, I, I survived. I took it on the chin and, and kept it moving. Right. Uh, and you went to high, Sam Houston, right? Sam Houston high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it ain't no sympathy there. Nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it was fun man it was a good time i you know i was a book kind of dude my mom was serious about that um and then i i played football um but i wasn't you know nothing special at that time i was just playing football because my friends my, all my boys play football and we just that's what we did all right so when did you start seeing the actual prospect that you know hey i should probably take this serious um man it wasn't even in high school uh, that that kind of hit. Um, the reason why I started getting recruited in high school was my junior year. And so I, I was a quarterback and uh, I, I played on junior varsity, you know, freshman, sophomore. And then my junior also played on junior varsity too. I was, I started a quarterback, but then I was suited up for the, fir- for the varsity games. Okay. So my junior year, we had uh, Brandon Hassel who ended up signing the TCU. Um, really good quarterback and we had a, a couple backups that were solid uh all of them got hurt they all got hurt and uh, i had to to come up and play varsity and i uh, played uh one game and we played the soto i think it was um and they they whooped it was like 30 to zero 
Nah, uh, I think we we had a couple good plays, but other, I mean they 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 smashed us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after that, coach was you know, coach was like, yep, like let's um, I mean you up here, let's try you at receiver because what I did do during the game was I was just running for my life, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, Trying to survive. Receiver, yeah, yeah, and um, we I did I played one. They tried me, put me at receiver. We did. I practiced that week, and I played. This was towards the end of the season. I played that last game at, at receiver. I got in a little bit. I made I had a catch, which was cool. And then that off season, uh, the spring ball, spring seven on seven league, like we um, tore it up. And so I, I mean, it just clicked. And because I was a quarterback, I kind of understood, you know, the scheme and what coaches were trying to, why they were calling what they were calling, what we were trying to accomplish with the route combinations and so it was and i would add my little you know my little juice to it right and it just it, i mean it set it off bro and you know that we went to a&m and we finished in like the top eight i think it was but after that trip to to um to college station when i got back probably another probably a week after it, i got a letter from one of the coaches just saying we noticed you and you know, keep keep working, keep grinding. You know, great job at the tournament, blah blah blah. And that, I mean, that was all she wrote. It just all the letters started coming, and you know, for me, it was just I was you know shocked, kinda, and just going with the flow, and it was all fun. I mean, I had fun, you know, down there, and I had fun, you know, going to my senior season too. And so it was, you know, getting recruited you know, built kind of a, a confidence of just, you know, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Right. Because obviously they notice and they're spending time to let you know that they notice. And so um, it was just doing what I do, having fun. And nice. that was it in high school. We went to college when I changed. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you select OU? I'm, I'm assuming it's because you, you were born in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, yeah, I was born in Oklahoma. I grew I I didn't move down here to about the fifth grade. Okay. Um Oklahoma was that was the first college football game I watched actually. Um I I mean we watched football but we watched NFL mostly. And I I, right. I was a I played I like being outside, you know, I'm an old school. Like <laughs> we like we go outside, we run around, we play football ourselves and basketball sure. and ride bikes and do all this stuff. We're just always outside. And then, uh, or I'm on the video game, but uh, college, the OU was the first college football game I watched. And I remember uh, they were four or five wide. It was when uh, Coach Stoops, I first got there and they had uh, Mike, Mike Leach was the offensive coordinator and they were just throwing the ball all, all over the place versus uh, Notre Dame. And I'll never forget it. And uh, that stuck with me. And, you know, being a receiver, obviously you want to go somewhere where they're throwing the ball. But uh, right. as, you know, it was Brent Venables that was recruiting me, who's the D coordinator at Clemson now. I just fell in love with that dude's passion. And, you know, he was, you know, he was just a, a solid dude. Uh, and then, you know, looking at the offense and what that was and being in Oklahoma, my family been there, you know, it, was, it, it just made a lot of sense uh, to just – head to the University of Oklahoma. Not for sure. I mean, I also read, like, you know, I want to say it was Forbes that originally you wanted to be an architect. Right? Yeah. yeah, yep. 
So, so is that what you wanted to be your whole life? When did when did it kind of pivot that you were like, uh, maybe I should do professional football and entrepreneurship? Like, what made you actually switch from you know wanting to be an architect to your new uh, professional football and, and entrepreneurship? It would. Um, so it, and it like I was playing like the goal was to uh, be an architect and go into the Air Force because okay. you know being on junior varsity. That's I'm as my in my junior year. If you're thinking about you're seeing towards the end of you know, football season, you know, you think about senior year and uh, right. you're on your way out and, you know, and, and so it was like my family background, a lot of us was in the service. Um, so I had uncles in the army, I had a uncle in, in the Navy that was a SEAL. And then um, my grandpa, pop, he was in, uh, he was in the army as well. And so, um, yeah, we, I mean that was kind of the trajectory. Nobody had did the Air Force, and I thought the Air right. Force was dope. Um, and you know, flying plane like flying was interesting to me, like jets. And then um, architecture was amazing because it was early, like when Dubai was just starting, like late night. Oh yeah, Dubai was just starting to build these crazy structures, and um, I, I was these concepts they had for for um, neighborhoods on on the ocean <laughs> like what and yeah that just caught my that, that drew me in and so I, architecture and going to the air force and then studying architecture was kind of going to be my goal post senior year and then as i started getting recruited that changed you know quickly and right. getting to oklahoma uh just the the damn schedule bro is it's ridiculous like yeah it's so demand and as a freshman you know they try to beat your ass <laughs> it, it, your workout like it's 4:45 and 5:45 in the morning like oh, wow. and you have to do four, four four days a week and then it's not just a regular workout it's a it's it's one it's one run that you don't have to sit down somewhere or take a nap afterwards <laughs> yeah you need some time after that yeah and so, you know, that in addition to leaving, being out the, out the crib and being on my own and being able to have a like party and get after it and have a good time, just being in college, you know, uh, right. made the mornings rough and the nights tough to sit at home and do work. <laughs> gotcha. So it was like, man, the labs and all, all the work that it would take to, to go down the architecture engineering roads was ridiculously demanding it could be done but i would not have a life uh right so so for me social life social life was very important obviously so i did that i was like uh i'll just major in something a lot easier and uh have a social life and and focus on football gotcha yeah and the pan the panda so a quick story too man so I, i grew up uh my father's in the military army a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends that have joined the army, I actually wanted to be uh, a Navy fighter pilot, like in Top Gun. Oh, dope! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to be, yeah. I wanted to be Maverick, man. But, Ma- that kinda, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that, that kind of changed too when I got to high school. Yeah. And then, of course, 
Of course, we talked offline. I wanted to be in the NBA, but I stopped growing my sophomore year. So, man, <laughs> so quickly had to pivot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so was averaging but... like forty. Like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, definitely wasn't. Man. I coached one. Of, I coached one of those coaches, man, to where like he didn't want to see anybody really shine. He was more like run the plays. Oh, okay. yeah. Not like you know, yeah, not like today's generations where like, man, like if you got a player, you know, like you let him loose, like right. Nah, our coach, man, you wanted he wanted to pass, pass pass run a play to perfection and then shoot so nobody was nobody really shining unless you were just getting a lot of steals and fast breaks and and all that so but it is what it is too sure so um so so oklahoma gets ou um and you actually you did the whole four years there i did i did i did uh i was there five <laughs> so my freshman year, oh you red started yeah all right yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And and then OU, you were a two-time first team All-American. So yeah. it seemed like the trajectory from, from high school to college was was amazing. Like what do you yeah. what do you what do you push that to? Was it just your yeah. work ethic? Was it timing? Um yeah, I was so I, I was yeah, it's a it was it's like a number of things that that played into it. Um from uh you know, me I was a late bloomer one like I was uh, I was small. I was still small when I got to Oklahoma. I was about one forty nine, one fifty. Oh wow! Yeah, I was super skinny. <laughs> so uh, they obviously put that program on me, and it hurt. It was it was painful, um, yeah. and I just saw crazy gains from you know that first year. I gained about twenty pounds, and probably like nineteen of it was muscle, um, and you know that changed everything so initially i was real shifty and all that and so that was always had that but i couldn't run by nobody but i could you yeah. know get you like stop on the dime and all that stuff but um as i got you know bigger i could do more physically um and then you know just kind of being at that level sometimes people play they can only play up to the you know the level of their competition and they don't right. know your ceiling until you get tested by somebody who's better than you. And so, you know, going there, there were guys that were, they were, they were far, they were way better than me and our defense in particular. And so going against those guys one-on-one um, level, like leveled me up tremendously. Like, and those guys, I mean, they ended up, you know, Roy Williams, Andre Wolfolk, like we had some, you know, Thorpe Award winners, Derek Strait and stuff. Like these guys were the real deal. And so that took my whole my game to a whole nother level because I had to learn how to to run routes. I had to learn how to be a you know an efficient route runner because they were really good. Um, and then you know learning our offense, um, shoot, that was that was big. Uh, it, it helped me get into the mind of you know our our offensive coordinator and understand why he. Like what? Why we ran what we ran? Uh, what we right. ran what we ran, and then um, and so like learning, you know, fast pace, going against our defense, learning from our offense, of course, and of, you know, my position coach and OC, um, and then growing physically, um, and you know, and then having people around me that were encouraging because I I quit like I was going to quit my like going the summer before the season started, you go up and you do those first workouts. 
that was my first time really working out and um it like i ripped i tore a pec muscle uh <laughs> doing some oh. bench like bench press or something like that i don't know that was my first time having like a a serious pain like a painful injury and you know all this right. workout shit i'm like i ain't man this is some bullshit i <laughs> this and um yeah. i went you know i went to stay with my grandma and uh i think some coach ship one of them they got in touch with my grandma and she, you know and uh sure enough she uh she took me back to school like she's like nah you're going back i don't care like get in the car let's go <laughs> literally drove me back to school yeah yeah, that's what that's what family for Absolutely. man to, to set us to set us straight. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I attribute it to a, you know all those things having people around you and then you know picking up stuff, learning stuff like just the atmosphere um, and the setting uh, really was a huge role in cultivating kind of some of the skills and God given pieces that were already there. No, that's that's amazing, man. Yeah. That's, and then even jumping from that to 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 being a first round pick, like yeah. man, that's <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. So what are what is that? What is like that feeling like? Because you know we see kids, um, you know they have these dreams from elementary school of, of playing professional football, and then that day comes, and you know there's not that many. What is it? Is a well, I think basketball is sixty. I'm not sure how many in football. Yeah, but not that many people actually get drafted. Right. So it's like, what is what is that experience on draft day? You know, when you get that call, that you know, hey, your your dreams have you know finally come true. Yeah, man, it is mind blowing. It's like two hundred and fifty some guys, basically. Uh, but it's um, it's surreal, man. Like. And and as you know, a lot of it is the history and what we, you know, think and the regard we have for the NFL and what it's meant to us growing up and watching the Super Bowls and, um, you know, playing and and saying, you know, I'm I'm Barry Sanders, like, (laughs) no, (laughs) exactly, (laughs) yeah, like all those things, you know, as a as a kid, and then, um. You know, they've done a great job of, you know, really building a um, something that's achievable for a few and making it exclusive um, and just like marketing the crap out of it. But it is not for sure. It just it, it just meant so much to know, like, wow, you I, this wasn't even a thought, um, you know, your freshman year in in high school or you're certainly not your junior, even your junior in high school. Um, and going from that to this day where, uh, you get a, a phone call from a hall of famer, Isaac Newsom, um, saying, are you ready to be a Raven? And mm. it's, it's mind blowing. <laughs> like it's, it's, it really is. It's mind blowing. I didn't, you know, I was all shaky and stuff on the phone when I was talking, but it was, I was also, I was, you know, excited and, you know, relieved that oh, my name was finally called too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, I shed a couple tears just in, in that moment of uh, like disbelief. And, um, you know, I, you know, it took a little, little bit to wear off my rookie year. I, I had some of that still there, like even getting to right. the training camp 
you know, you walk in and there's like, you know, Ed Reed, Jonathan Ogden at, you know, 6'9", have his chew in with it. He never, never does his hair. Like, he never does <laughs> day, He never does his hair. <laughs> but, uh, Ray Lewis comes, like, takes you, you know, he's in there. And just all these guys that are Hall of Famers, basically. Um, this is in 2005. Uh, it was just, it was like, it was crazy. Like, it was crazy. Um, it's, it's words, I can't, you know, I can't put it into the exact words but uh, right yeah, it, was, it was surreal man <laughs> man going so going into the nfl did you always have in mind that you know you're going to start preparing for life after football or was it like later on in your career that you was like okay let me start figuring out what i want to do entrepreneurial wise or this next phase like when did it actually hit you that you wanted to start looking at other options um not till after well it, it didn't i wasn't thinking about it while I was playing, gotcha. um, I wasn't, I was, I was in the zone. I was in, I was locked in. Uh, that was it. That was life. That's all I could see at that time. And then I had friends uh, ask me about, um, you know, business outside of football. Um, and, you know, for me, I was like, man, now, I mean, I look at it hindsight and it's like, man, well, I don't know, it's like my, my agent or my financial advisor, uh, didn't really press on any of that, you know, and I, you know, part of me is like, dude, that, that should be there and, you know, going forward in the future, obviously I have a, a son and, you know, if he does anything in the professional ranks and an agent or anybody comes to the, obviously he'll have me, but just thinking um, like, man, no, nah, I didn't. And, and there was a lot of opportunities that came across. I just remember, you know, just turning down and just being like, nah, I'm cool. Like, nah, nah. I'm good, right. um, but just not understanding. Nobody had nobody in my circle that thought like that. Um, my family wasn't like that. We were nine to fivers essentially. Um, excited about the weekend and you know cooking out, gotcha. hanging together on Sunday, and back to the grind and complaining about it on Monday. <laughs> gotcha. <And> so, <laughs> around me um and so yeah i it actually didn't dawn on me uh i want to say till it was like 2010 one of my buddies like you have you thought about you know anything and i was like man i, I like t-shirts i like t-shirts a lot and so i attempted to get into the t-shirt game try to do it in the too big way um spending a, a shit ton of money on a, a software development project essentially to kind of build a um let's see what today it would be similar to um a 99 designs ish but was okay to, was trying to do that um for specifically t-shirts um and and have it tied into uh facebook at the time and facebook changed the algorithm so much you know as the it was, yeah. like, it was like oh facebook changed this now we gotta do that and that's gonna cost you 10k. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, man, it was. Yeah, it's a lot of money lot going, of money going out. out. That was my first kind <laughs> yeah. of outside of the outside of football adventure, and um, that felt fast because it's like there's no way we're keeping up with Facebook's algorithm. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So how long would you say you worked on that project? Uh, that lasts for about a year and a half, I'd say. A year yeah. and a half. Oh man. 
So what was your uh, what was your next dad? Was it investing or was it actually creating uh, the brand you have now, which we'll get into? Yeah. So it actually it, it ended up starting with um, I have now with Live Headphones, but uh, mm-hmm. it came because you know through um, uh, injury basically uh, when I got injured in St. Louis that was that pretty much opened the door for um me wanting to do my rehab like my rehab that we were doing in the pool with uh over your headphones got you so that's kind of where the idea derived from was from the injury and, and kind of dealing with what you had to do when you were trying to get back and the headphones wouldn't uh wouldn't suffice for your workouts right. yep awesome so what is that process like because you know of course when you think of headphones people people think of beats and you know they're trying to figure like how to get into it like where did you actually start was the first thing finding somebody to manufacture it somebody design it like how does one go through that man so i think it depends on what what you're trying to accomplish if you're trying to solve a problem like create something that isn't out there that's you that right. starts with you um you know and you're knowing what you can and can't do if you if you can draw you can you know start sketching something here or try to put something together that's decent that gives some direction which is essentially what i did i kind of started sketching uh different concepts um and then you know if if not you're trying to just create a brand and you want product um there's a there's a number of sources that you can leverage to find, um, you know, decent product to get started, um, and, and, and put and pretty much white label, uh, put your brand on. Gotcha. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, the white label route is a lot less expensive. The, you know, creating from scratch route is a lot more expensive. Um, it, you know, so after I had my first kind of sketch, I had to go find an industrial designer. Uh, to help me, you know, take this and kind of um, to to build it out and and get what I had into a CAD model um, that was feasible, um, and then at that point we could go and kind of pursue manufacturing to to get into prototyping. Yeah. Got you. So let's let's break it down just in case people don't know what exactly is a CAD model. Um, so it's a it's a a digital three D rendering or concept model Ah, like in the computer that they would be able to use to to know the dimensions and they would they would they would know like okay i get what you want design wise but now we have to add a pcb board we have to add the battery and then the speakers and so they need to know how big um you know your your um your ear cups are they need to know how thick your band is they can run wires, you know, through the top or, you know, however, they, however, the, the design is going to be um, built out for manufacturing. Um, for us, it's just, this is what I want it to look like mostly, or right. here's some features that I want to have. Um, when it comes to manufacturing, it has to be like, uh, you know, what shapes are we using? What materials make sense? Because, you know, if you use this material, you can probably get a thinner wall and it'll be stronger or it'll be as strong and that'll give you, you know, 0.03 mm's of space uh, to add, <laughs> you know, um, you know, whatever. 
or you could do this bigger battery or, you know, nope, you don't have that much space. You got to go with a smaller battery. Like is all those things come into play um, when you, when you get to manufacturing. And so, um, you know, that cab model is huge and it helps, you know, uh, streamline and, and speed up the manufacturing process so they can, they don't have to build it out, build up, build a cab model themselves. They can just adjust what something that already exists. Right. And I think what I saw was pretty cool was when you launched, you actually started with a, a Kickstarter campaign instead of actually raising money. I think that was, um, I think that was pretty dope for a launch. Like, what made you decide to go that route? Because I assume, you know, with you being in the NFL, you have a lot of contacts and connections. Mm-hmm. It could probably raise money um, if you right. wanted to a lot easier. So what made you go the Kickstarter route? Because I had a, a design that was um, unique, um, new to the space. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when somebody does, you know, design something and put it out that's, that is different, um, from industry industry standard, apart from having a, a a lot of money and being able to take a a loss and bounce back, right. um, you have to you have to do it in iterations. Um, and so Kickstarter was a way to to really test what I had without um, you know raising a bunch of money and then you know putting it out there and not knowing what the public had to say about it. And so, um, cause we could do, I could do that and then, and then go launch. Um, and then they said, no, nah, you know, the response is that's, I don't like it. <laughs> the, the sales numbers reflect, nope, it's that don't work. Um, and so Kickstarter was a way to just get started and, and not do it in a, crazy expensive way um and get right. feedback and you know we produ- got you know made some money and you know for manufacturing and then uh also got a look gotcha so what has what's been like the the feedback responses so far i know it's been launched for a couple of years but what's been some 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 things that you've heard about it and also what's been some challenges as well uh so the feedback i mean what i've heard mostly um from from uh from people who who continue to wear it to this day is uh i mean they they love the security uh, and i mean that was nice. kind of the the point um the water waterproof aspect of it um i don't nobody has you know come back to me that swims but i i hear um people that sit in the sauna with it they enjoy that they like uh the fact you know obviously they can sweat like crazy and not worry about it shorting out um, <laughs> and so that's been right. that's been huge uh, so, I mean, those two are the biggest kind of pieces to it. And, you know, and it sounds good. It sounds good. Um, but on the other side, the majority of people who purchase are, are men, the women who've, who've purchased, uh, for them, it's, it's bulky for them. Uh, it's, you know, it does, it, it doesn't make them look great. <laughs> those are right. know, things that I did you know taking consideration on the the next model which is a lot more streamlined and um uh seamless in in its design um and you know apart from that those were kind of the i mean those are the main things the takeaway so um it it did it only um you know fit uh, a certain number of people uh kind of the mid mid-range head sizes 
it doesn't have a um, a traditional adjustment to it, and so you can, you know, increase or decrease the tension, um, you know, on the band, but you you can't increase the height of the band, and so um, you know, bigger like larger size heads don't work for it. <laughs> Small heads, it's okay, it, it, it works, but uh, it kind of it it encompassed kind of it was about a seventy. I think we estimated it was about seventy four percent of the head sizes that that it fit well um which i was fine with for starters but uh I, that's another thing that was taken in consideration on the next model too so that's different um it'll be uh it's a it's a it's a it's a cool concept the new the new concept is really cool it's really clean and it's, it's futuristic looking and uh i know people will will love it uh women will love it a lot more uh, I've already got, you know, sure. feedback on some of the kind of test test viewings that I've done. And so, uh, yes, yeah, I mean, as a part of developing and listening to feedback and then making, making adjustments. Right. Right. So when you have a release date yet for the next model or is it still kind of production? Uh, no, I don't. It's still in concepting, actually. We haven't, I haven't even went into okay. prototyping yet, but uh just in concepting, hopefully I'm hoping, um, by the end of the year, we'll be, I'll be, I'll have a, a finished concept, uh, that I can then go in and build prototypes for. And, uh, we'll see what happens after that. <clears throat> gotcha. So do you see, um, actually raising capital in the future or you think you're going to probably keep, you know, try to keep as much ownership as you can with, you know, uh, yeah, so, headphones? yeah, my goal, it, I will, I definitely see raising capital in the future, but I think um, um, initially it'll be kind of, uh, it'll be post, um, you know, second launch. Uh, and so I'll, I'll probably go the same route that I did uh, to begin with, which, you know, it was really, really solid. I mean, it's, you know, build out, build out the concept, uh, go through uh, prototyping, um, get a minimal you know, viable product and then launch a pre-sale. Right. Um, and the, that launch would be a lot different from the first launch. I didn't actually do a lot of marketing for the first launch either. Um, this one, I, I feel a lot better about, I think, um, people's knee-jerk reaction to what, you know, I've presented so far um, is definitely a lot, lot, lot different than uh, the original. Uh, and so I'm looking forward right. to, you know, definitely launching a pre-sale for this one and, you know, post that out. That's when, you know, I'll look to, to go in and, and raise more capital. For sure. If you don't mind us asking for the, for the first one, you said yeah. you didn't do a lot of marketing. Um, what was the reason for that? Just cause you yeah, want to test it like or the, within the Kickstarter platform itself, um, there was really a, Oh, excuse me, a tremendous amount of traffic uh, built in. Gotcha. Yeah, some of the marketing okay. that I, I did do outside was, you know, through kind of our my email. And um, uh, I did a couple articles and built a, a, uh, a an email list and was able to leverage that. Uh, so we had a, you know, a, a solid um, kind of beta group. Uh, out, you know, to that was that wanted to be involved, and they were. Uh, and then within Kickstarter, there's there's quite a bit of um, 
you know, marketing there on their platform that, you know, you, I mean, if somebody was going to do it, um, they, they would be able to reach out and they have programs that they can leverage to, you know, send traffic to your, to your campaign. Yeah. Uh, okay. Got you. So as of today, 2020, what do you spend most yeah. of your time in the day? I know you have yeah. live brand, yeah. um, yeah. father, you know, yeah. being yeah. a girl dad, yeah. it takes a lot of time as well. So just kind of walk us through your um, typical day. Man, I'm, you know, I'm up like right now, you know, this morning I'm a, finish up a um a deck actually and so there's a couple different industries that i'm you know looking forward to being in uh quite a bit in 2021 um and one is one is real estate um i've been in the digital currency uh industry for about three years now um trading as kind of trading and holding um and then the cannabis industry uh being from oklahoma having a relationship you know relationship there i feel like um you know having having a a a grow makes sense and something that you know i could could build with uh one of my partners who's one of the best you know he's a he's a consultant as it is right now for a number of grows but um he's he he's fire (laughs) and i'll need to you know, get him set <laughs> up and, and unleash him and let him do his thing. And so uh right. just excited about that. And so, you know, uh, you know, and then, you know, I have, you know, different uh people will, you know, we'll we'll I'll talk, I'll be on the phone about different business deals and like I'm also working on, you know, potentially being a part of a deal where we put together a professional uh flag football league. Um build it out i mean wow. and, and really establish it um as a as an entertainment company um and you know give give young men and women the 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 opportunity and and uh goal to be a professional flag football player and actually have a career and uh make a career out of it and uh and a living and so i've you know been in talks you know this I mean, we're going on, I don't know, a few months now, just going back and forth. And that looks, that looks good uh, so far, which I think there's a huge future there um, with, you know, flag football and just the numbers in youth, youth sports reflect that. And so uh, that's another project. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, I could keep going, but uh, there's a number of things that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm tied to. And I can't, you know, right. I just, I just keep moving. Each day is different. I don't, you know, know what each day holds. It just sometimes no. when there's, you know, like today I have set, set meetings, set calls. Uh, but within that, there's uh, a, a variety of things that'll come up and uh, we'll, you know, we'll get at, we'll get after it. Not for sure, man. Like especially with times like this, with this Corona thing, it's always good to have multiple, yeah. you know, endeavors. Yeah. Um, I actually saw a quote or tweet where it was like, "These times you definitely have to have five to seven streams mm. of income because one is too close mm. to zero. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that really, that really hit me. Especially sometimes when I think I'm doing too much, I have to realize now nah, you're not doing yeah, enough. So. I think that's uh, I think that's pretty cool. So you said you've been in digital currency for for about three years. Correct. Cryptocurrency, yeah, crypto. you know. Yeah. 
Uh, is that something like just self-taught or somebody kind of gets you through that? I know a lot of people actually yeah. try to get into that. They just didn't actually take the time to sit down and learn. Is that something you did by yourself? Or yeah. You I had, uh, well, it was, I mean, I actually used YouTube, to be honest. Um, There's some really good YouTube. YouTube, YouTube University. Really good, um, <laughs> you know, training videos on YouTube. I mean, and I mean, as long as you just sit there and go, I mean, and really spend time. And then I think a, a big part of it is the emotional aspect of it. <laughs> like I had, so my, my buddy introduced me to uh-huh. crypto and um, I just, you know, once I went in, I, I went in and when it comes to, to trading anything, um, just the emotional, um, I wouldn't even say intelligence, just control that you have to have to stick to your, your program. And, you know, this is, this is, this is my end and this is my exit. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, but that's why, I'm, I mean, only, you know, I'll say a few people are really good and actually make money at it. Uh, but <clears throat> I'll right. say like, uh, when I, when I also look at crypto apart from, just kind of the the trade aspect of it i look at you know the future of transacting and the future of money and how we we do life um you know it's been it's been dubbed a new asset class and you know the next closest asset class to that is uh is gold <laughs> which is around you know i don't know Not for uh, real. <laughs> seven you know i don't know seven eight trillion dollars today um which i believe will go up because of everything that's going on and then you know with right. you know the the digital currency or crypto that that asset class is sitting at around uh i don't know 200 billion um which is very low in comparison uh and so you know i look at it right. and I, I say like you know in the future I, I can see us you know being a a, a cashless society um you know and a lot of the transacting being run on, on, on blockchain and digital currency is just what, what we know, uh, similar to what, how we know the internet today, We just, that's just how we do things. Um, um, and with that, I can see the, you know, the upside and the potential for a, a tremendous rise, um, in that industry or with that asset class, uh, in particular. And so, you know, part of me sits there and, um, you know, wait until uh, <laughs> until the tide increases, uh, and then part of me takes right. you know, bits of it and uh, you know make a trade or two here and there. Yeah, man. Gotcha. It's crazy. It's crazy. You discussed. Uh, yeah. You talked about gold. Uh, my business partner, and my cousin, is a jeweler. Mm. Uh, so man, we uh, he has I can't, he has tons of ounces of That's gold, awesome. and we always talk about it. Just sitting on it, holding it, holding it, holding it. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many of his clients call like, "Man, let's sell me some gold," and we're just yeah. sitting on a lot of gold. Um, yeah, because definitely how things yep. are going, man. This is going to be needed, and the price just keeps going up. Oh yeah, like, it went gold way is, up. So. Yeah, it's on its way. It, it's gonna. I think you know. I, I honestly, I think that they they have a way of managing markets. <laughs> And I feel like right. it should have been going up already, but you know, I I know it will, it will in this time. Yeah. And you know, and I, when I look at commodities and crypto, those are the two things that you know I see being ridiculously valuable and 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 seeing some serious inflation here in the near future. And um, you know, with gold, 
my one thing against it is the utility. Um, and obviously with right. crypto, it has supreme utility. Uh, and so we go. <laughs> nah, for, for sure. It's been 44 minutes, okay. man. I've got about two more questions. Yeah, it's going to be your day, man. So, so one thing um, we like to ask, man, is whether it's in, you know, your professional football life or your entrepreneurial life, who was like one person that, that you know, co-signed you early on and kind of believed in you and let you know that, you know, whatever you wanted to do was possible? Um, man, my biggest co-sign. So earlier in the conversation, you asked, like, when did that mentality kind of flip or change? Uh, it was it was right. in the summer of my sophomore year, and it was my boy Will Peoples, um, who actually just sent a text message. <laughs> That's funny, but uh, it was it was Will, man. In that summer, he um, he just because what I what I was able to do as a freshman and sophomore was all just God given, and you know, again, it it was just happy go I could just do it because it was fun, um, and you know. Mm-hmm. That summer, he was like, bro, like, bro, you so talented and you don't even really try. Like, you just fucking, like, ha- like doing whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, bro, you need to take this shit serious. Like, you can act like you could kill it easily, like easily. Right. And, um, something happened. And, and, you know, at that, that summer, dude, I don't know. It just, it was just, I became, you know, it was like MC. MC was... A, a lethal assassin yeah. that when he stepped on the field, you was about to get it. Like, period, nobody's going to get in front. He's going to route you up. Period. You better hold something. And even then, that's not even enough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that yeah just, you turned it on. The switch. And so, Will, Will Peoples, man, he, he's the one who kind of that summer, you know, challenged me. Hope you guys enjoyed episode two of the Cosign Conversations podcast featuring Mark Clayton, NFL veteran, entrepreneur, and investor. If you really enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, leave a comment and review. And as always, follow Cosign Mag on all social media platforms and continue to live the Cosign life. See y'all later.